With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization. And you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome back to Q&A with Joe Rigo and your boy Q. Q. All right, we, we talked about round one. We have them taking Williams or Allen at one. Josh Jacobs at 24. And uh, Irv Smith at 27. I mean, at one. I mean, in the, with their first right, pick right, in, the, right, in, right. in the first round. So now we go, we go to, to the third or the second round pick. And you have the running back. You have the tight end. And you have the D lineman. If it's, I would say right here, if it's Josh Allen that's taken... And Simmons from Mississippi State is on the board. And I know he tore his ACL. I take him right here. I think he's a top five talent. Yep, he is. I think that the one issue he had off the field where he punched a female in high school prior to National Signing Day, which which almost caused him to lose a scholarship at Mississippi State, was a one-time incident. We haven't seen or heard anything about him other than being a model citizen since then. And if he didn't tear the ACL, he's going top 15 at least, maybe top 10. Yep. You could get that type of talent, and it gives you another year of Hurst, Jelly, uh, Hankinson. I think Hankinson, right? That's his name? Uh, um, uh, it's uh, what you would call um, Hankins, Jonathan Hankins. Jeez. Hankins. And then you have guys that are there. You have some nice little rotation. I think he's a guy who could come in later part of the year and next year and make an impact for him and be a guy that, wow, now this defense has a lot of juice to it. That's if you're willing to wait a year. If you're not, you still have to get that safety because you don't have the answer back there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next to Cujo's the guy, but after him, there is kind of a drop-off because LaMarcus Joyner is playing the nickel. It's a hybrid position. I would say if Abrams is there, yep, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That would be the guy I'd pick. If if there if he's there, I would take him. Simmons, I would take as well. And you mentioned it. I think you hit it on the head. Why you would take Simmons? Because you would have to wait a year. I would. I wouldn't want to even play him in 2019. I'd want to redshirt him, let him come back in 2020. But know that this is what you're building. You're building for long term success, not a short term tease. That's what I've been kind of coining. Like, hey, man. John Gruden's got a long deal. Mike Mayock's got a, a, a long deal as long as he's getting it right. Uh, these coordinators have long deals as long as they want to stay. I mean, these guys have an opportunity to build something that's going to be successful for years, not just a short term, oh, hey, that 12-4 and four was good. Now let's go back to stinking again. You know what I mean? They're building something. So I could totally see them taking him and redshirting him. I even thought about taking him as high as 27 because it'd be that fifth-year option that you have on him. But – it depends on how the board shakes out and what you've already achieved with your first two two uh, picks. I wouldn't want to, you know, go get him and redshirt him if I knew that 
I still had a a, a a talented dude that I can get right now and, you know what I mean, and, and hold on to and, and actually plug and play right now at 27. But I did think about Simmons at 27 just because of that fifth-year option. But, uh, you know, yeah, he, he's – He's definitely a guy to consider at 35. Uh, you got to get this pick right, too, because Charles Woodson's going to be announcing this pick, so you got to get it right. Yeah, that, that would be cool. And you, brought, you brought up something interesting, actually, was one of the questions that we got tonight. And we talked about Gruden being here long-term, and, and it, it's kind of like a multi-part question because the person that asked it, uh, it's he asked it, like, in four different ways. Um he asked if, he th- if we think, or could we justify Gruden staying for 10 years, um, and what would justify it? Because he, he asked if it's not a good season, would Gruden fire himself? Uh, and what would happen to Gruden if they didn't win this year? And um, personally, John's here for the long haul. Right. You know, he signed a 10-year deal with every intention of finishing out the 10 years of the deal. If he has a bad year this year, if they, if they go 0-16, yeah, I think there may be some some conversation. I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, this team played much better as the year went on, in my opinion, especially towards in, the, in, the, in December, the last, the last quarter of the season. Um, I also think that if they have one more bad year, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Because now the draft is held in Las Vegas in 2020. And with it being held there, it's Raiders Central. (laughs) And you have, right now, two first-round picks in that draft. You're still kind of controlling that draft. If you're picking high, and that's a draft where you could have Lawrence, potentially, maybe Lawrence... uh, Oh, no, he wouldn't come out from Clemson. No. He's only going to be a sophomore. Yeah, he's only going to be a sophomore. Uh, You have Tua. And, uh, You'll have Tua. And the young man from Oregon. Uh, I always forget his name, but yeah. Herbert, which yeah. I think he's overrated. I do too. Um, I, I I don't think the, you know, those, that's the draft for a quarterback. I think it's the following year with Lawrence. I think he's – in fact, if I'm him, I would petition to play early. <laughs> he's that good. He's ready to play in the NFL right now. He's, he's a stud. Yeah, he is. But anyway, um, I think Gruden lasts at least seven of the ten years. And it's only because he doesn't want to coach. He wouldn't want to coach after that. But I, I don't see him leaving the Raiders ever again to go coach another team. And I don't see him leaving the Raiders uh, until this contract is up. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Actually, I really believe that John Gruden, uh, I, I kind of doubt that he goes the whole 10 years, but I think that it's going to be, just like you said, because he doesn't want to go the 10 years. I think he's going to set up this team for success. I think he's going to win a ring because I think he has to. He has to win a ring, and then he's going to say, all right, I built this team, my team, my guys, my way, and oh, by the way, we got a W. And then at some point he's going to say, I'm ready to pass it on, and he'll have somebody – in mind that he will suggest to ownership to go ahead and hire as the next head coach, as he did when he left the Raiders the first time and handed the reins over to Bill Callahan. That was his guy that he chose. And it was smart for him to do that because Bill Callahan was an idiot and didn't change the game plan and didn't change any of the play calls and played John Gruden in the damn Super Bowl and didn't have any kind of a chance because John Gruden knew every damn play. Yes, I'm still a little bitter. (laughs) Whatever. I think every Raider fan is bitter. I still talk to, I talk to TQ about it, and he's the same way. He said the same thing. In fact, when we had that conversation, um, he literally um, gets pissed off the same way you do. So I get that, I, and I think the guy you'd want them to bring in is McVay. That's I can see that forecasting seven to ten years from now. But I think it's going to be McVay. That's you know who the guy I'd, that he would. You know who I'd like them to, to bring in. Honestly, I would, and I don't think he's going to be available whenever John Gruden decides to, to pass the torch and, and move on because I think he's already going to be in the NFL and be a damn good coach, uh, and he's going to be somewhere handling his business. That's Matt Rule, uh, head coach over at Baylor oh, right yeah. now. I think Matt Rule, and that's John Gruden's guy. Matt, I mean, I know everybody's John Gruden's guy, but still, uh, Matt Rule is really high on John Gruden's like respect list. And uh, he even went to the point and said, if I could take and draft or sign a Matt Rule coach player every year, I would. That's how Tahir Whitehead became a member of the Oakland Raiders because he played for Matt Rule at Temple. He said, those guys are coached correctly. They're coached tough. They're, they're, they, they know how to play as soon as they hit the league. And uh, yeah, so I could totally see him saying, 
that's the guy that you need to go get right there, Matt Rule. Matter of fact, he can, he he texted Matt Rule and congratulated him on the job when he got hired at Baylor. Said, "Hey, you're gonna kill it there. Great job. You know, hey, I'm I'm looking at you. I'm watching you. I mean, all this stuff. Like he he has his eye on Matt Rule, and just from being around him for the past couple seasons, like I have as uh, being right here in Baylor in my backyard, Matt Rule knows how to do it. And if it wasn't for the Jets being stupid and telling the guy that they are uh, they were gonna hire his coordinators for him and not let him do it." He would be coaching in New York right now and not Adam Gase. So I'm kind of glad that he didn't get the job, but then I was kind of bummed for him because I know he deserves a job like that. But uh, I would love to see Matt Rule go ahead and get that Raiders head coaching job once John Gruden was done. So what you're saying is in the second round, if they didn't take a cornerback, keep an eye on Rocky Asin as the Raiders pick. If he's available, since Matt Rule had didn't Matt Rule have him for a year at Temple? He only played for one year at Temple, so Matt Rule was already gone. Oh, so he's not a Matt Rule guy. Okay. No, but Derek but, Thomas is. Derek Thomas, the defensive back who transferred from Temple to Baylor, that was a Matt Rule guy. And Jalen Hurd, the wide receiver that transferred from Temple or from uh, Tennessee to Baylor, uh, he used to be a running back at Tennessee. He also is a Matt Rule guy. Those two guys I look at as those guys could be potential Raiders. Now I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find my notes on uh, Derek Thomas. I got him going late in the draft. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think he will. I think he's going to go because not a lot of people are talking about him. But I'll tell you what he does. He covers really, really well. I mean, like he he'll blanket you. And this is what Matt Rule told me at Baylor's pro day. He, this is word for word what he told me. He said Derek Thomas is a Seattle Seahawk type defensive back. He's long. He's rangy. He's got speed to kill. He said the only thing that is his the knock on him is he won't. He won't dominate you. He'll he'll play you. He'll cover you. He'll make sure you don't catch the ball, but he won't show his domination on you. And that's what I've been trying to teach him, that he needs to go full speed 100% of the time and just dominate the, uh, the, the wide receivers and show and kind of put his will on them because he can do it. He has it in him. He just hasn't done it on a consistent basis. So he said if he could do that, he'll be a 10-year pro in the league, if not more. If he only you know does what's good enough to get by, he'll be there a couple years and then he'll be done. Derek Thomas you guys don't know, is 6'4", 189 pounds, and his 40-time range from the scouts I talked to, they projected him between 4'3", and 4'4", So you look at a guy at 6'4", that could run, let's say, a 4'4", 4'4", That's damn good. Yep. Uh, he's probably got loose hips. I, You know, he's he's a guy that, you know, late, into, late in the draft, I would think that would be an outstanding pick. The guy who I would love for them, we're talking about late-round picks, um, and it's a guy that I'm, and I'm saying this because I am biased, because, quite frankly, my son uh, worked out with him. Uh, my friend of mine was his trainer, um, coached him a little bit in high school at uh, out at Salesian High School in California. Uh, he's a late guy, fifth or sixth round. Keyshawn Nixon. Um He's about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, shorter guy, can play the slot. Um, ran a 4-3-9 at his pro day at wow. South Carolina. Wow. Um, but when I mean, when you want a player that's a dog, I mean, when you talk about a player, you got you want a guy with that dog in him, Keyshawn is the epitome of it. He is a guy that, that comes from hard times, from South Central, uh, worked his way, became the number one JUCO cornerback in the country down in Arizona. Had every school in the SEC offer him, including Bama, turn them down to go to South Carolina because he looked at the scheme. He looked at the playing time. He got him down the field right away. Had an okay junior year and had a really, really good senior year where he dominated guys. Some about dominated. There were games where they didn't even look his way. Um, and the tape is just, he's got really good tape. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He, already, I know, he visited with the with the Raiders as well. He had a he had a workout with them and a visit with them okay. uh, a couple weeks ago. Definitely so keep my eyes open that, on that. Yeah, Keyshawn Nixon is the guy I'll take a look on, uh, take a look at a little bit later. So okay, so we have the D lineman, we have the tight end, we have the running back, and then we have it decided on the second round pick. Looking at offensive lineman, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to offensive line. I'm gonna go to a, um, I'm going to offensive line. That guy that I really like because of how he plays, and I think you could put him at guard initially, and then kick him outside. 
from Kansas State, Dalton Reisner. Um, 6'5", 3'12", right now. But he's a guy that just plays mean and nasty. I mean, he plays until the whistle blows, and he'll let you know when he's done with you. Um, he had a really good senior bowl. Uh, he just plays that nasty streak. I really, really like him. And, I, and there's some teams that are looking at him on the, on the back end of round one, but he could be there in round two mm-hmm. if you want to bring in somebody to compete at guard, you know, and potentially be a tackle down the road should uh, you find out that your number one draft pick last year, your boy Colton Miller, Q's favorite player on the team, uh, can't pan out at tackle. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a good thought. And offensive lineman is definitely a guy or you know a position that I think is going to be addressed in the draft. I really do. Uh, obviously, it was addressed during free agency with Trenton Brown or Trent Brown. Uh, you know, and I don't know if he's going to play left tackle or right tackle. I don't know where Colton Miller is going to go. Gabe Jackson, I don't know if he's going to be the right guard or the left guard. I know Rodney Hudson is going to be the center, but I will throw this out there: he's going into the final year of his deal. You know, and Rodney Hudson has been solid. He's been the dude ever since uh, he was signed as a free agent for Kansas City. So that's something to think about as well. But for the longest, man, that right side of the of the offensive line has been a turnstile. So you got to figure out who's going to be the right tackle, who's going to be the right guard. I would love to see uh, offensive linemen be drafted to provide, if nothing else, competition. I don't know who Brandon Parker is going to be. You know, I hear good things about him. I know you talked him up a little bit, but I don't know if he's really going to be good or not. I don't know. I know he was a reach when they drafted him. And he's got to he's got to earn his stripes, you know, and, and we'll see if he can make it. But, you know, if, if a guy like Cody Ford, which I don't think is going to be there, he'll be gone in the first round. But I would like to see a guy like Cody Ford or like you mentioned, Dalton Reisner out of K-State. I would like to see him. Those two guys definitely uh, could, could fit the bill. And I think they're both guys that have played tackle that can kick inside the guard if need be immediately. And and again, you have to if you're John Gruden and Mike Mayock and they've already made it a priority. So obviously they know this. They have to get that offensive line shored up. It cannot be what it was in 2018, which means Tom Cable's got to be on his A game because you can give him Jesus, but if he can't coach him up, he's not going to work. I'm I'm not a Cable guy. Me neither. I I, I think that it would have been prudent for John to get rid of him at the end of last year, just being that I think uh, three of the last five years he's had the lowest-rated offensive line in the NFL. Um, I would have brought in a guy that you and I both know very well. Um, he's a, a hell of a man, and, and he's a guy that, at the end of the day, I feel he. I mean, I know for a fact that he was a finalist until Cable, and that's Pat Hill. Yeah, I would have brought Pat Hill in and let him run that offense line. You know what you're going to get with Pat, and that, the, the resurgence of the Atlanta offensive line when they when they got really really good, they almost went to the Super Bowl. That was Pat Hill. Yep. Um, so people don't realize that. Um, gotta get love to my man, Coach Hill. So, you know, if you want to go offensive line there, you know, this isn't a deep center draft, and I'm thinking for a center. Next year, Carbo Hall from Arizona State, mm-hmm. that, that, that guy, watch him. Watch him. I know his dad real well, uh, and I know he's got a younger brother. They're, they a lot, lost Oslo's High School in Ontario. The, that dude, he could have came out this year and been a top two or three center. He went back because he was like, I want to be the number one center next year. He's a stud. Plays the way you want to play. Um, Devin Bush, if he's there in round two, you like him or not? Um, if he's there in round two, yes. I don't think he'll be there in round two. And I'm not as high on him as a lot of people are. A lot of people even have him higher than Devin White. I just don't see it. But, uh, yeah, I, I know he has the skills to get it done. And, again, if he's there in round two, I would have no problem with it. Uh, I still don't think Paul Gunther would pull the trigger on a on a second round linebacker, which is you know disappointing to me because I think that the Raiders really need to get their guy. They need to get a a linebacker that is the dude who's going to be the dude for the long haul. Going to need their to be their alpha dog on that side of the ball. They're they're you know they're general on defense. They need to have that guy, and I don't think he's there yet. I really don't, you know. So uh, we'll see what they do. But yeah, if Devin Bush is there in the second round, I, I think it'd be a no brainer to go get him. But I, I just don't think he gets past like twenty four or twenty five. What's the deal with Mac Wilson? Like I, everybody I talk to, they love his game. They think Mac Wilson can play. They, but then they're then they're like, but we just don't know if he's fast enough. Well, like that's it. Dude, yeah, dude's tape is great. I mean, he's everywhere you want him to be. And th- that was a tape with uh, my man that Baltimore uh, parent, not Perryman. Um, Baltimore drafted him. He just signed a big deal with the Jets. Oh, C.J. Mosley. Yeah, this is C.J. Mosley's tape. He he's too slow. He runs a four. He ran a four six. Then you look at my film, he's everywhere. He just got huge, huge money from the Jets. 
Yeah. Like, I think uh, at some point you got to watch tape and not a 40 time. Right. No, you're absolutely right. It's all about what you see on film. I mean, the, the 40s and and the combine and showing out there, that's just to kind of reassure yourself on what you just saw or what you saw on film. Not uh, not the other way. A lot of times it's vice versa. Like, oh, hey, this guy is very athletic. What did I miss? Or, oh, maybe I should go look at him now. You can't do that. It's got to be the other way around. You got to see him on film first. I think uh, the problem with Mac Wilson is, and this is the problem with everybody on the Alabama defense. I mean, this this should go for everybody on the Alabama defense. Is they got destroyed by Clemson in the national championship game. It wasn't even close. And you know he was trailing a lot. He trailed a lot. And so that's a, that's one of the things that you remember is seeing the back of Mac Wilson's jersey, just like Deontay Thompson's jersey at safety. You saw a lot of the back of his. I think he cost himself a whole round uh, in that national championship game. He was a first round safety, in my opinion, who's going to be a second round, maybe a third round guy now because. He had a horrible, and I mean horrible, national championship game. I'll, okay, let, I'm going to tell you what I was told by people that are involved and around the Alabama program. And this is um, serious talk. So the freshman came in this year, um, and when the freshman came in, they literally told the freshman, you need a, corners. They came in at like 210, 205. The DBs, not the coaches, said you need to cut 15 pounds. Safeties coming in at 225, you need to cut 10 to 15 pounds. They're like, why? They're like, you got to keep up with Clemson. They're too fast. Like, nobody can run with Clemson. It's There's true. not a team that can run with Clemson. So, you got a team full of guys like that. You're not going to have a team full of guys like that in the NFL. And, and I think. To me, that that's that's what's different. Um, you, you don't have, you don't have a team like that. Now with Thompson, my guys got him going second round. Um, the, their biggest knock on him is he's his little injury history. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't mind him next to, to Carl Joseph playing the center field. Let him go up and get ball playing that free safety. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, really, you you I jokingly said it to you. Earlier in the show, you could have four Crimson Tide team members on the Raiders because they fit what the Raiders need and what the Raiders want to do on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you could. You honestly could. You know, it depends on where Mike Mayock sees, uh, you know, the value in De- Deontay Thompson or the value on Mac Wilson. I mean, those those two guys, you know, are kind of wild cards for the Raiders. They could be guys that could fit in. They may be able to be guys that even slip a little bit. You know, you got to remember when you're making these picks, this is something else I was talking about earlier in the in the podcast when we were talking about uh, how many picks that you would like to see the Raiders have. You got to remember that they don't have a third round pick. So when they pick at number 35, they're going to sit for a while unless they make some moves. So... Uh, you know, when you make that pick at 35, even though I don't care that you've already had three picks in the first round, if you choose to keep all those, you uh you got to make it count. You got to make it count because you're going to be sitting and watching for a while. And so if you see a guy that's a quality dude that you think is not going to be around next time you come up to pick or you're going to have to really make some kind of move and uh, trade and give up a bunch of capital to move up and get him a little bit later, you better make the move and pull the trigger on that dude then. So it, it really that's when it gets tricky, in my opinion, of, of what the, the po- not the podcast, what the uh, draft board's going to look like. Because if you see a guy that might have like a late second round uh, grade on your board, if you say, hey, this is a late second round pick guy right here, but we don't have a pick till the fourth, and we could really use him, Gunther could use him, or hey, I could use him on the offense, you might have to go ahead and pull that trigger. And it might be something that people say, well, that was a reach. It might have to be a reach if you really want to get that guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you look at the safety market, there's really only five guys. Yep. Maybe four, maybe five. Fit being Marvell Tell from USC. Um, this is because of what he brings to the table. But, you know, you got Adderley, Thompson, Gardner, and Savage as free safeties that are guys that are like, okay, and I think Gardner Johnson is a guy that's going to have to play that nickel role more than anything else. You already have that in, uh, in LaMarcus Joyner. Then you got Abram. And Thornhill, uh, Rap. Taylor Rapp, Armani yep. Hooker is a guy that I think people are sleeping on. I think he's a guy that could really, really play. He can. He, he's kind of a Micah Hyde type to me. Ironically, he comes from Iowa, where Hyde came from. Hyde's an All Pro with Buffalo right now. Um, he could play a little corner as well if need be. He fits a lot. You know, he's kind of that new age guy. So you, you do have a few guys. Um, if Abrams there, I think he's the guy. I mean, to me, I, I, I think now going uh, easy for me to say, but 
he's my favorite safety in this class. Um, but not as a strong safety, but as a free, you know, I have questions with Adderley. Um, I like Thompson a lot. I think, you know, again, some of the tape is a little, you know, mind-boggling considering where it's coming from. But also you look at Alabama safeties in the NFL right now. You know, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix uh, isn't as good as what people were, you know, hasn't had a good three years, two or three years um, in his past two or three years. First few years he, he was ascending, and then he kind of, I don't want to say plateaued, but uh, he started making more business decisions. You look at Landry. Yeah, he got the big deal in Washington, but a lot of people question whether or not he can cover. And then after that, you got some other safeties that you're, they're just not the same type of guy. So you can't question Thompson there. Uh, Gardner Johnson is literally a slot corner that happened to play safety. And I talk to people that, that um, know him and have coached him and have scouted him extensively. They question whether or not he can survive mentally out of Florida. He's a guy that was born and raised down south. He's from Florida, from uh, Cocoa, Florida, went to Cocoa High School, went to, obviously, uh, the University of Florida. He's a guy that he's never been out the state. So can he survive out of the state, or how will he adapt out of the state? And then Savage from Maryland ran a great time, um, and he, he was Maryland's best defensive player. But um, I, there's some questions with him. And then, again, Marvell Tell over at USC, the, he's a guy that, um, I watched since high school again. He was at um, Crespi High School um, out in L.A., and he's a guy that, quite frankly, USC asked to do a lot, and I think it hurt him his senior year. He was better his junior year, but him coming back, it hurt him his senior year. Yeah, I've heard a few uh, knocks on him. I've had a couple people ask me about him, and, you know, I honestly haven't watched a ton of him, but, you know, what I saw and then what I read on him doing just a little bit of research, uh, heard that the same thing you just said about his senior year not being that hot and, you know, pretty hurt, probably hurt him a little bit in, in the draft stock and is going to make him a later-round pick, which, you know, that could be, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. He might end up being someone really, really good, and other players and other teams wonder, man, how the hell did we miss on him? That could end up working out later on in the draft for him. Round three, there's nothing to speak of. Not yet. You know, obviously. Uh, not yet. But right I, will, now, I will say there's this. There's got to be something done in the in round three. Shane Leckler is supposed to make their third round pick. So I'm just saying. I'm throwing that out there. Charles Woodson is picking in round two for the Raiders, and then Shane Leckler on, uh, in round three. So you don't want to leave Shane Leckler with nothing. So you got to you gotta make a move for the third round, right? Well, he could just do round four. I mean, that's true. That's true. I'm just saying. <laughs> what he's supposed to do is round three, though. He's supposed to do what he's supposed to do, and Shane Leckler does what he's supposed to do. Pick the ball really far and really high. That's right. That's right. He's gonna. He's gonna. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna end up in the HOF, brother. He's gonna end up in the HOF. No way, dude. Like. Yes, he will. Okay. Yes, he will. Ray I, guy, I, I, I promise Ray you. Guy, yes. No, he had better numbers. Go back and look. I had. This is why I know this for a fact. I had John McClain on my radio show, who is a Hall of Fame voter. He told me, because Leckler was a Houston Texan for the end of his career, I asked him straight up. I said, I know he's a punter, and talking about the Hall of Fame is ridiculous, but somebody wanted me to ask, and that was true. I was asked that, so I, I relayed the question. I said, what do you think? And he said, Q, he actually has better numbers than the great Ray guy. He said, I'm definitely going to get him in the Hall of Fame. He said, I'm going to do everything I can to present him to get him in the Hall of Fame. I'm writing a piece this weekend on it. I promise you, Doc, I'll go back and find it and, and email it to you so you can hear it. He absolutely said that Shane Leckler is going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay, look. Promise you. I don't, I don't gamble, okay? I don't gamble. I'm willing to bet you a dinner that he's not – I'll give him five opportunities. If Lecter doesn't get in in five opportunities, I'll buy you dinner. Well, he can't get in for it's, at least five years. I mean, it, he, I know. So, he won't so, even be considered. Okay, so, so by then, hell, this, I might be dead. <laughs> no, hell no. No way. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't you wish that bad juju on that's, me, Ricky Bobby? Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. You know, so, okay, I'm going to give him five years after the allotted time. Again, so if, if he gets in, I have no problem buying dinner. If not, Dinner's on you. And I'm not talking about going anywhere expensive. This is a cool little restaurant. Me and you sit down and, and just do what we normally would do. But And Shane Leckler is not a Hall of Famer. Yes, he is. Sterling Sharp is a Hall of Famer. Shane Leckler is not a Hall of Famer. And I will go – I will – I can make the argument that from 1989 
to when he was forced to retire because of the neck injury. Sterling Sharp was a better receiver in the NFL than, dare I say, the GOAT Jerry Rice. Because Rice had everybody on his team, and Sterling Sharp had Don Mikowski, Brett Favre, and then you can name any receiver you want. Perry Kemp, freaking uh, Minkins, uh, who else? Robert Brooks, at the beginning of his career, was trash. So there's no way Leckler is a Hall of Famer before Sterling Sharp. I didn't say he was going to be a Hall of Famer before Sterling Sharp. I just said he was going to be a Hall of Famer. That's all I said. I, I, didn't put no, I didn't put no time limit on. Look how long it took him to put the snake in. You know, look how long it took him to put T.O. in. Look at, I mean, come on. I'm not, I'm not saying when he's going to get in. I'm just telling you that he's going to get in. Because he's, look at the longevity of his career and having better numbers than the guy who's in, he's going to get in. That's a different era, different ball. There's a lot of things that can, he's a punter. Like, so? punters that have their own little Hall of Fame, I'm sorry. Punters and kickers, like, they're punters and kickers. Okay. They're not even, it's. He was one I'm of the sorry, greatest I, to do it. He was one of the greatest to do it, bottom line. It's not the Hall of really good skill players. It's the Hall of Fame, which is, is he's a he's a he's a pro football hall of famer. He's out, he will be one day. I'm not sure when, how, but he will be. How I feel about punters is the way Sean Taylor felt about punters in a Pro Bowl. Go ask Brian Mormon how he felt after Sean got done with him. Oh, That's I know. How I feel about punters overall. Oh, I, I hey, look, man, I didn't make the rules. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. I look, I'm not I'm not telling you what what has to happen because I say so. I'm just telling you it's going to happen because well, it's it's going to happen. I mean, it's just one of those things. He's earned that. He really has. I mean, the dude did it for how long? Look at all the years he did it for and was at the top of the food chain. He was at the top of his game. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not disparaging and I'm not minimizing at all what, what Shane Lickler has done in the NFL because he's had a very, very, very good NFL career, one of the best to ever have done it, if not the best. No doubt about it. But I'm sorry, he's a punter. There's only, one, I believe, one punter in the Hall of Fame. And he has better numbers than that punter, bottom line. But better numbers than that. But look, I'll tell you right now, this is one of the things I've learned to live by in my career as a, as a sports radio dude. If John McClain says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. This dude okay. has been around forever and knows everything about everything and everyone. One of the guys I have the utmost respect for who sits on the on the Hall of Fame. I mean, he votes. He does all of those. I mean, he's that guy. John McClain is dialed in. So if he has anything to do with it, He's going to get him in. Okay. Next time you have McLean on your show. Friday. Ask him about Sterling Sharp. Okay. Because I can make the argument again. And that, no, it's not Raider. Sorry, Raider Nation, that we got off on this. But oh, it's all good. Back to the draft talk right now. But ask him and then send me that audio. Because I definitely want to hear it. And then I'll even make sure we post it to on Twitter. Or you post it on Twitter so I can retweet it for all my friends that, that share the same opinion of it. I'll tweet it to Sterling himself. Okay. So, no, I'll, I'll, okay. it'll be a, it'll be Friday at twelve thirty, <laughs> my time, Central Time. I'll tell you that right now. But yeah, I, I'll ask him. I'm putting it in my notes right now. It's it's a done deal. I'll ask him this Friday, and I'll shoot it to you immediately after it's done. If I don't text you and say, "Hey, hit the stream and listen right now." <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be listening. Don't get it twisted. I'm gonna be gonna remind <laughs> me though. Okay, I will. I'm gonna throw out a name. I'm gonna throw out a name for a cornerback that round two you may you that you may reach for, and I think he's a guy that could get into round one. And he's a guy that scouts have told me in the last month and a half that some of them feel he's the best corner in this draft. Lonnie Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. from Kentucky. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I Man, there's so many... Oh man, there's so many people that are. I'm hearing say that as of now, like he's he's one of those guys that is making that late push, you know. And I I saw him on NFL Network on Tuesday, I believe, talking. He was on his way to Tampa Bay for a visit, and he was talking. He was talking about Josh Allen, but then he talked about himself, and he said, "Bottom line, I am the best defensive back in this draft, and I could be that guy." And you know, I've talked to some people about him, and and others are they're kind of ho hum on him, and then some are like really high on him, like you just said, and and think that he could be the best in the in the draft. I think that with his determination and his confidence and his, you know, the little swagger about himself, even though I hate that word, I think, you know, he might, he might be something, you know, I don't know if he'll be that guy immediately, but he might be that guy long-term. He might turn out to be that best guy. He might end up being Aeneas Williams when, well, you know, where he went third in the third round. I mean, and then turns out to be a hall of famer. You know what I'm saying? Like you just never know, but uh, he, he could, he could have something. I, I have seen him all of a sudden picking up a lot of lot of traction. So it's it's funny that you mentioned that. It's, it's funny the way you started to set that up. I was like, oh, he's going there. He's absolutely going there. So yeah, um, I, I I guess you've been hearing what I've been hearing as well. 
Well, I mean, if we're both hearing it, then I mean, something too. I know my, I know, yeah, exactly. I mean, six two, two ten, ran a four four something like, or four five eight or a four five six something. If the dude can play again, tape don't lie. Yeah. And in the SEC, he held his own. You know, and it's and it wasn't. It's not like Kentucky's a hotbed for football. I mean, this guy is getting there. Give Stoops credit, but he's a guy again, long athletic. You want you want somebody next to Conley on the other side of Conley. He makes a lot of sense, a ton of sense because again, tall athletic corners. Now that's not something that Gunther had in Cincinnati. I mean, you look at you look at Hall and a few of the other guys. They're you know they're a little bit shorter, but then you have a Jonathan Joseph who's over six foot. He had you William Jackson too. Remember, remember William Jackson oh, out of Houston? Yep. He was yep. he was a guy that I was really high on that Cincinnati got right at the end of of Gunther. I think Gunther had him maybe two years in the first year. Jackson was hurt. He had uh, got a pec injury, so he missed the whole season. But William Jackson, uh, I think he's William Jackson the third. Matter of fact, he could he could play, and that's who I kind of think of when I see Lonnie Johnson. Uh, I think he's a third as well, or a junior. No, he's a junior. Lonnie Johnson junior. junior. Yeah, when I see him, uh, I kind of get that William Jackson feel as well. I, he's a guy again. If you're looking at the second round, and when you're looking at it, and you're sitting here and you're kind of projecting, and like you said, you really don't have a third round pick, you may have to reach for a guy in round two that you may not normally take if you had a third round pick. And if you look at the corner position, there's a ton of corners in this draft. I mean, Kendall Sheffield's another guy that if you want a guy that could flat out run and and had great tape across the board at Ohio State. Kendall Sheffield's the guy. He's 5'11". He's not that super tall guy, but he's 5'11", about 190-something pounds. Guy could flat. He probably would have ran in the the low 4'3s, maybe high 4'2s. He's a guy. So you may want to say, okay, look, we don't have have this third-round pick, and we know we need to get a corner. Let's go ahead and reach a little bit and get in there, or if if it's that safety position. So I think it all comes down to, what the Raiders value on their board. When you go into the fourth round, you still, you know, unless you take a uh, receiver in, in the first three rounds, your first four picks, you may have to go get another receiver to get a young guy to groom. This is a good draft to do that. We've mentioned a few names earlier. A guy I bring up every podcast is Keyshawn Johnson from mm-hmm. Fresno State. Yep. He's a guy to go around into round two, beginning around, you know, somewhere around four. He's a guy to keep an eye on that teams really like because of the way he runs routes, catches the ball, things of that nature. Um, that's if you want a receiver. If you need to get a lineman, you have to look at that. So that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'll, and I'll backtrack, if they, they move down from four to pick up a three in mm-hmm. only a few spots and add a one and a three so they can have more, more ammunition in this draft because I think this is a draft they want to lock in foundation pieces. So when they, when they hit Vegas in 2020, they're competing for an AFC West division title. Yeah, I I can totally see that. I could honestly see them really targeting the Giants and trying to get them to trade up and trying to get their six and maybe even steal their seventeenth from them. You know what I mean? Like I can I could totally see them going making trying to make some moves like that and uh, walk away with four picks in the first round. You know, depending on what they give up and what they send back to the Giants, I, I could see them trying to make some moves like that as well. And I think that's why they're really starting to drum up that uh, conversation about Dwayne Haskins. You know what I mean? Just to uh, get them to see if they could bite on that. Uh, I think that they're going to do some moving and shaking, and I think that that's why they need more picks so when people say that well team has eight picks already that's enough look they had 10 before the antonio brown trade you know what i mean and then uh they ended up getting uh or they had a, yeah they had 10 and then i know they they made a move and then they traded colegio assembly and got that fifth round pick back so that was cool but still i mean uh they they have they, they need as many bodies as possible that's what i'm basically trying to say is they need as many bodies and real deal football players and again you said it i think perfectly lay the foundation the foundation needs to be laid they haven't done that yet they didn't do it in 2018 they have some players that you could see okay they could be something they really want to hit it out of the park this uh this draft and really again lay the foundation and get the ball rolling get things going and uh, see where they're at after that and, you know, see what kind of season they have and then go back to the, not drawing board, but go back to the, you know, to the draft, the free agency and, and make some more moves. But this time they're in Vegas and they, you know, their, their pace structures differently and different. And it's a, it's a whole different ball game. So, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And that's why when I say they're at eight draft picks right now, but I figure that they're going to end the, pit, the, the, the draft with about 12. I, I think that that's spot on. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's what I think. I, I would agree. And, and, 
I'm going to say a name right here that's sliding down draft boards, and I will tell you why after we take a quick break. This is Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Rigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network powered by SB Nation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, talking draft. And uh, all right, so let's get back to it. I said before, I'm going to give you a name of a guy that's sliding down draft boards. I'm going to tell you why he's a guy that was projected to go in the top 15. And then it was this round one, now round two or round three. He's going to slide a little bit further. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite from Florida, the edge rusher. Now I'm going to tell you what I was told by sources that uh, are, are, I can't say how I got the information, but, but the source um, has been around this guy for at least three years um, in some capacity um, as a coach or as a scout or in that nature. But uh, Polite's problem is he likes to smoke trees. He likes to smoke trees. And that's kind of the attitude, that a blase attitude that he has in part is because he likes to smoke some marijuana. In fact, I was having dinner with this person and we were talking about him and he says, yeah, he's probably blowing trees right now. <laughs> So, you know, as we're talking about this, you know, you know, he, he cares about football, but he just wants to play. But when it comes to the off, off the field stuff, you got to have a team with a strong structure for him because dude likes to blow trees. So that's a part of the, that's part of the reason why Ja'Kai Polite, I've been told, is, is really not even sliding. It's free falling down draft boards. Well, I'll say that if, if that's the case on him, I'm, uh, it's a hard pass. You know, I knew that he didn't do well in his interviews at the Combine. I knew there was a lot of red flags that they were having at the Combine. I'm surprised that they haven't come out and said that he failed a drug test yet at the Combine. I'm sure that's on the way. It's going to happen sooner rather than later, sometime before the draft. Uh, but, yeah, I, if, if that's the case, I'm I'm definitely saying that that's a hard pass. I know Mike Mayock was kind of uh, into him. I heard good things from Mayock about him. But if that's the case, you, that, the, that kind of dude's unreliable. He's a guy that you can't count on to be there week in and week out because he most likely is going to fail a test. And if he fails multiple tests, he's going to be out for a long period of time. And the Raiders know all too well about that because uh, they kept Alden Smith on the roster for so long when he was suspended. So, you know, and hell, just, just recently, the White Tiger that John Gruden called, Martavis Bryant, same thing. I mean, you know, those kind of cats, they're unreliable. You can't count on them. You don't know when they're going to be right and when they're going to be not right and when they're not right that means they're not playing and they don't do any good for you no matter how talented they are yeah and that's why you know i'll say if it is in the third or the fourth round or around there um or excuse me the fourth or the fourth or the fifth round and he's still there okay i'll take a flyer on it fifth round i'll take a flyer on a guy like that there because you could strike lightning in a bottle you could get a guy that all of a sudden it may click for him that you know what i need to change I need to do something different with my own life. And, again, you look at the tape, his tape was wonderful. He comes off that edge quick, hard, and fast. He makes plays that are ungodly. But at the same time, if you like blowing trees, and that's more important to you than playing football, like the dude that just, that just left the Cowboys, <laughs> you know, that's not, a, that's not a guy I want on my team. No. No, I like I said, I'm not even I'm not giving up a fourth, fifth, sixth. I'm letting him go undrafted, and then I'll make a decision. But I'm I'm not I'm a hard pass on that one. Yeah, I, I would I'll give up a fifth rounder for him. That's 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 just me. Um, I tend to think that that would be um, a good spot. The polar opposite type of guy is uh, Ben Burkirvin from from Washington. Um, he's a guy that is up that from up that way, Menlo Park. Um, He's the type of guy that can and will make a lot of plays for Washington um, or made a lot of plays at Washington, excuse me. He's the type of guy that could come in, be a core special teams guy late in the draft, and potentially if Burfett goes out, 
got to come in and play, get some playing time and make some impact at inside linebacker. I'd be okay with that. That sounds good. You know, is he is he got a is he got tree issues too? <laughs> Can you repeat that? I didn't hear you, brother. Oh, did uh, I'm okay with that. Did does he have uh, tree issues too? No, not at all. He he is 100 percent good to go. I said he's the polar opposite. Okay, of gotcha. flight. He's the guy that that loves football, that's into football, that that craves him, and and is the polar opposite of polite. He's a guy that. Um, at the end of the day, can come in and, again, be that core special teamer, be that, that do-everything-in-camp guy, so to speak. Yeah. That guy where, you know, you point to him and he does all the right things. He's that type of guy. And I would say he's a grinder that would fit what Gruden and Gunther like to do on defense side of the ball. I was just about to say, he sounds like he fits the description of a Gruden grinder. I would definitely sign him up. I'd sign him up right now. That sounds good. Whatever round you can get him late, uh, that, that sounds like a hell of a plan and a guy that sounds like he's hungry enough to work his way up. And I know Gruden would love that. I know Mayock would love that. Uh, they love that they have that in common with AB that, you know, they were they were uh, super late and overlooked. And, you know, I mean, they, they all have that same chip on their shoulder type mentality. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Those are the type of guys that I really, really dig. And I think that that really fit what, what John's looking for. Guys that just love football, you know, and, and even looking at guys that are edge rushers later on in the draft, looking at it, you got guys like um, Sharif Miller from Penn State, mm-hmm. 6'4", 250, 4'6", guy. Um, there's, there, there really isn't issues with him. But here's a name to keep an eye on, and you can get him in, again, he should be available fifth, sixth round. John Kaminsky from Charleston. Watch his tape. He's making plays here like, damn. He fits the size, 6'5", 290. Dude, he's, he's in between a 4'6". I got guys that time him in between a 4'6", 4'4", and a 4'7", 6". Hmm, okay. At that size. Okay. Crazy. John Kaminsky, grinder, loves football. He's that guy. He's, he makes those types of plays that you look for. You're like, damn, okay, you like that. I like it. I like it. I like the sound of that. You know, again, those are you're right. Those are the kind of guys I like. And if you look around the league, there's more of those guys than there are first round success guys. You know what I'm saying? Like there's more of those guys that come from later in the round in the in the draft that have made it that are, you know, stars and have proven to be the dude than the guys that are just the the first pick overall, the second pick overall, the fourth pick overall. There's a lot of the dudes that made it uh, that were drafted outside of the first round that end up being really, really good guys. That's why we always concentrate as fans. We always concentrate on just the first round because that's the sexy pick. That's what's always highlighted. That's the guys that are sitting in the green room. You want also the guys that are sitting at home, uh, you know, with a with a crawfish boil going, or you know, you with some family, so you know, moms and pops and girlfriend, but whatever, and hanging out at the house and chilling, and, and and that's it. You you want those cats too that that are are wanting to be on that next level and are going to do whatever it takes to be successful on the next level. Those are the guys that you look for as well. Let's talk. Let let's just flip because I know we're talking about guys late in the draft, but there is the the. the the white elephant in the room, people talking about whether or not Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback going forward. And you have guys that should be there late, and there really isn't anybody that really stands out to me. To me, I like, I like Ryan Finley. I'm going for a late guy out of NC State. Um, he's a guy that I think could, can really do well, um, not be a star. But if you want a young quarterback to groom, he's to be the guy. Looking at this draft, and Murray's gone and Haskins is gone, and you're just say 24-27, and you still have a lock or, you know, Tyree Jackson should be there, but, you know, a lock or a Jones or a Greer, would you, would you waste the pick, for lack of better terms, on one of those guys versus going the directions that we think that they should go with running back and tight end or, or other positions. No. Because <laughs> no. I, I don't I don't I don't think I don't think Carr's on the hot seat right now. I think this is the year, but there's no way in going into the strap they're gonna deal him. No, no, I don't think so either. The thing about I don't think there's any kind of quarterback in their conversations, even in the first round at all. I honestly, and you said his name briefly, but Tyree Jackson is a guy that I really think he might be a guy that be worth taking a flyer on a little bit later, just because he's kind of the unknown unknown. You know, what I mean, he's kind of like you just don't really know what this dude's going to be in the league, but he looks like kind of what we've been talking about—a guy who's hungry, a guy who's uh, coachable. A guy who has a big arm. He's very athletic. Saw that at the combine. Uh, he put up some some good numbers at Buffalo, but it was at Buffalo. And you know, in all due respect to Khalil Mack, and you know all the great things he did coming out of Buffalo. But uh, you know, it's just 
it's it's one of those things that you just don't know really about him. He's like the most intriguing guy to me. I don't know who he's going to be, what he's going to be. I'm not going to pretend to say I guarantee he's going to be successful. I'm not going to say any of that. I just think that if you take a chance on a guy, I wouldn't mind seeing them draft him, put him as 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 a Derek Carr's backup, and, and let him kind of get some reps and kind of learn and sit there and, and soak it all in and, and, and see if he's got something. And maybe he does. Maybe he's a lifelong backup. Maybe he ends up being someone that, that other teams – you know, find intriguing and say, hey, we'll give you this for that guy right there, and then you could deal him later. I don't know, but there's something about that guy that intrigues me, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Raiders pull pull the trigger on him. Did you just call him Vince Evans? <laughs> no, I didn't call him Vince Evans, but Vince Evans was a cool dude, man. I respected that guy. No, I like Vince Evans. I, I remember going to the Coliseum and when he would uh, take over at times um, and – but, you know, he was playing for the Raiders, and he, he was a really cool guy. You know, here's the thing about Jackson. If he's there in round four, I wouldn't mind it. Which right. one of the picks exactly. in round four. Exactly. I'm with you. you. Know, yep. I think that would be a good spot. And it's conceivable that he could be there. You know, I mean, he, a lot of guys projected him in rounds two or three, two through five, somewhere around there. I mean, he's six seven, two fifty. There hasn't been a lot of quarterbacks that have had success over six six in the NFL. True. That right, you know, that's just – Stating facts. You look at Dan McGuire. Um, there's been quite a few others, but Dan McGuire is the one that always stands out to me. Um, big arm, huge arm. Uh, Jackson is way more athletic than any of them. Um, I just I question whether or not the Raiders are even going to look at a quarterback in this draft. Like Elizabeth, super late, and I, I would agree. Like fourth round, if he's there, you know why not? I just, I think that, I think they're already looking ahead because they, they they probably feel like this. And I'm not trying to float anything out there. If Russell Wilson does not sign a huge deal by I think April 15th, like he said, he's done. I believe this is his last year of his deal in Seattle. I, I'm 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 I believe I may be wrong. Yeah, he's a, he's in a contract year. If he's available. And his wife is an entertainer, entertainment capital of the world. If Derek Carr doesn't work out, Rudin loved Wilson. You're going to have a ton of cap space. You don't have to give up any picks for him. You go get an older quarterback that's not too old, that's entering his peak years or rather in the middle of his peak years. You go get Wilson as a free agent next year. Well, obviously the Seahawks would at least try to franchise him first. You know what I mean? Like it would it wouldn't be as cut and dry as like, hey, you play out this year and then hey, you're gonna walk and you go wherever you want to go. I mean, there's gonna be some tangling, there's gonna be some wrestling, there's gonna be some name calls, there's gonna be some spitting and kicking and all that. You know what I mean? There's gonna be some fighting to get him out of town. But I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Uh me personally, I don't think that he should ever make a decision based off what Sierra says. I'm sorry, not trying to be disrespectful, but Sierra ain't had nothing good since goodies. So I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, throw that out there. And I've met. I her. disagree with what that. What does she have besides goodies? Man, she had the song. Um, she actually wrote it about future. Okay, um, what's, what's the name of it? I forgot the name of man. Like, of course I'm, you I'm, did. I'm, I'm not doing music like that anymore. Me either. Um, you know, hold on. Okay, you want me? Want me to get you the name? Keep go ahead. Go- Google it. Google just for, it. Just for, I am. I'm about to Google it right now. Google it, Joe. I'm about to. This is ridiculous that that I can't that I I can't remember this damn name. Like this now. Now I'm irritated. Body party was good in good in 2013. That may have been it. That may have been it. Yep, I think that was it. That was 2013, Joe. She got a new one out that's pretty good too, though. To be honest with you, level up. Um, level up was pretty tight, but I don't I don't know. But it wasn't. She's got a slower jam that um, that Jaleesa listens that Jaleesa listens to. That I was like, oh okay, you know, like there's there's a couple. I'm like, okay, Sierra, but it's not even just about listening to Sierra. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, it absolutely is. He, <laughs> it absolutely no. is. Look, let me tell you something about. Look, you have kids. I have kids. I feel like I have the right to say this. I knew that Sierra wasn't worth a damn when she named her son Future after her son's baby daddy's stage name not his real name but his stage name there's a problem with you it's like ice cube naming his son ice cube jr it wouldn't happen you know why because that's dumb it's like me i wouldn't name my son your boy q jr because that's just dumb 
That's a stage name. That's not a real name. So when you name your son Future after your baby daddy's stage name, there's a problem. That, to me, made it feel like she had no future. Oh, that's cold. I know. I know. I know, but I'm a parent. You're a parent, so we can say that. Yeah. Because you wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Well, okay. Full disclosure, the new baby, full disclosure, and I'm going to be be up, be honest. Um, when we were picking out names, if it, if he was a boy or a girl, I came up with the name Jair Alexander. <laughs> hey, I, I like. Hey, but at least that's a real saying. name. That's a real name, though. It's not a stage name. On Jair Alexander's check, it says, pay to the order of Jair Alexander. On Future's checks, it does not say, pay to the order of Future. It says, pay to the order, whatever the hell his real name is. Okay, but maybe, maybe what she was doing was... Crack. He, he, he <laughs> said to her, this is my first son. I want him named this. And she was a woman that was with him thinking she was going to marry him and said, you know what? Okay, I will submit to you and give you this name because we're probably going to have more kids down the road. His real name is Nevadius Demon Wilburn. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. If, if I had a choice to be called Nevadius or Future, I'm going to be called Future. Okay? <laughs> let's be honest. And before it was Future, his name... Oh, that was 2 Chains. That was Titty Boy. Titty Boy is 2 Chains. That was called Titty Boy, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Nevadius or Future? I'm sorry, I'm going to call my kid Future, not Nevadius. Well, I just don't think that that was a good idea either way. I don't think – I think they should have just said, you know what, Joe is a good name. Let's name our son Joe. <laughs> he don't need to be named Nevadius or Future. He needs to be – we need to go back to the drawing board. Okay. Now, fast forward to my situation. Obviously, we didn't name my son Jair Alexander. We named him Carrington. So, I'm down in Vegas for four days – or for six days. I had meetings there all the end of, like last week. And I'm having di- I'm having dinner with TQ at one, at one of the places where we're having a business dinner, and TQ and I are there. And he hadn't seen pictures of Carrington yet. He's seen like a couple on IG, but that was it. But I showed him a picture of Carrington, and I'll send you the picture. Since then, and when I was doing radio, they used to call me Verb, like an action word. He started calling Carrington Little Verb because he goes, he looks just like you. Look a little verb. He goes, when you bring a little verb out here, because you know I'm out with you know my girl and him, right? And him in in Fresno right now. And I was just like, what? And he goes, yeah, when you bring a little verb out here. So he stuck with little verb. I know, but that's a nickname. Uh, it's not going to be on his paycheck. It's not going to say pay to the order a little verb. It's not. It's just not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> And I even, and, and to take this a step further, I had a paycheck, no joke, I got a paycheck from a side gig that I did about three weeks ago that said, pay to the order of your boy Q. And I, I emailed the guy and said, are you serious? You really sent me a paycheck to the name of your boy Q when you have my information? Like, what bank am I walking in saying, hey guys, this is me? Even though I did pull it off because my bank knows me, but still... What kind of dummy do I look like walking into the bank with a check that says pay to the order of your boy Q? That's just ignorant. Yeah, that's uh, – what the hell was he thinking? Exactly. That's exactly what I told him. I said, don't ever do that again in your life. I don't know what in the hell you were thinking, but don't ever do that again in your life. We don't but do that. that has nothing to do with Sierra and Russell Wilson. All I'm saying No, it is, doesn't. <laughs> Not at all. All, I got, all, all, I'm, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, bro, when you look at it, you have – a man that that really he's playing really he's played really well in Seattle. Yep. He's giving Pete Carroll everything and more than what Pete got for when he drafted him in the third round. Yep. The Jets could have been in play for him last year. The Giants make a lot of sense if they were to cut ties to Eli Manning this year. Giving up, you know, now that you have two first round picks, they find a way to cut give them to the that would make a lot of sense. That's not going to happen. But the Raiders, if Derek Carr doesn't do well, which I don't think is going to happen, I think Derek is going to ball out this year and shut all the naysayers up. Okay? I'm, I'm going on record right now saying that. Derek is going to ball the uff out this year and shut all the naysayers up. And, but let's say he doesn't, and Russell Wilson is available. 
and you're the Raiders, and you have to give up a first-round pick for him, you have two next year if you sign him to a, a contract. Get, sign the deal. Make it a deal where if he plays one, he plays more than 20% of the downs in the Pacific time zone above, you know, above X amount of time on the equator or whatever, you have to pay this signing bonus on this date, which makes it, you know, a poison pill, so to speak. Go I get him. Yeah, I, I, I can see if if push comes to shove and Derek Carr is not the guy and and they're thinking that, I can see them making some moves and making that happen. Uh, and and I, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't object to it at all. Russell Wilson's a winner. There's one thing he does. There's one thing that Russell Wilson does and he's done since he was in college, both colleges. He's winning. He's a winner. I mean, the dude knows how to win. So I can see that if that's part of their master plan, if, if Derek Carr doesn't pan out, uh, that, that could be something. You know, maybe they trade him in the offseason and uh, make the move like that for, for Russell Wilson. But, again, it would be very, very interesting to see how all that shook out. But ultimately, I think Derek Carr is going to do really well this year, so I don't think we're going to be having this conversation. But it's a good scenario to think about just in case. Hey, besides winning, well, he wins because he – he wins off the field. I mean, Sierra, his ex-wife, he bags them off the field, too. Let's be real. It's true. That's true. He Let's absolutely real, does. Right? He, he does. That paper sack tan brother right there bags them. Yeah, very true. Very, I'm I, not mad at him. I, I'm not mad at him at all, man. I, hey, I, I can never knock a dude for his uh, his, his hustle with his with the females at all. No, nah, not at all. I mean, I, and honestly, like, people can say what they want about Russell Wilson. And when I close my eyes and listen to him talk, I he, I hear Pete Carroll like identical. Of course, like complete. You know, I completely bought in. He completely bought into Pete. But if people actually go look at Russell Wilson's story by losing his father to cancer and everything else, you can say what you want about him, attitude wise, or you may not. You may not like his personality, or because he doesn't do this, that, or the third. He's a really good dude. Yeah, he is. And and I respect the hell out of him. To be honest with you, like. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch when I'm not, my squad's not playing against him. Like, I really enjoy watching him maneuver as a quarterback. And if that is the case, and I agree with you, that is the case. And that could be something that's, as I stated, that could be potentially down the road. That could be, that wouldn't be, I think they could, they could do a lot worse than adding a Russell Wilson. Um, with that being said, again, I got to say, I'll go back to Derek Carr. I think Derek's going to have a phenomenal year. I think this is the first time he's had really legitimate weapons around him um, to throw to um, in his career. And I know the the one year they had a, the, the, they had a really good year. I think he actually um, didn't have as many weapons as he could have. Um, didn't have as many didn't have as many weapons as he could have. And he's in a better position now. Um, um, he's in a better position now to really succeed as a quarterback and flourish. Yeah, no, I, I agree. 2016, he had Crabtree, he had Coop. You know, he he did have some weapons. He had a really good season. Obviously, the Raiders went 12 and four. He broke his leg. We all know how that all shook out. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as consistency with the offensive system that he's going to be running and guys that are going to be held accountable and guys that don't put the ball on the ground as much as uh, Cooper and Crabtree did, even in 2016, having both a thousand yard seasons, they still could have done so much more, but they put the ball on the ground a lot, you know? So I think that now this team's going to be a lot more disciplined. I think that they're going to be a lot more on point. And uh, I think there's going to be more weapons around the field, not just Crabtree, not just Coop. You know, I think there's going to be a lot more guys hungry and out there uh, making plays and making things happen, including on defense if they get the right guys. So, yeah, I definitely think that this could be uh, a really good season for Derek Carr, you know, get some turnovers and get shorter fields at at times and not have to go the full length of the field. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for him in 2019. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just got to see how it all shakes out. And this draft is going to obviously play a major role. Well, Q. It took us a while to do this show because we all had we but we both had a bunch of stuff going on between everything you had going on, all the traveling, and congratulations to the Baylor women's basketball team for having a phenomenal season. Um, something that I, you pretty much I know you enjoyed. Oh yeah, being a part of. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, with, with with some of the things I had going on. In fact, I was at UNLV at their uh, their spring game, and and there were scouts there. You know, there were some guys on that team. And there was a Raider scout at their pro day watching a running back, Lexington Thomas, 
and there's another uh, Jaquez Khalili, uh, a corner. Uh, two guys to keep an eye on as potentially a guy. And Lex, potentially a late-round draft pick, but Khalili as an undrafted rookie uh, corner that he lit it up. He won the day, ran a 4-3-7 uh, at about six foot. Um, but Lexington Thomas ran at, at five nine uh, and about a buck, buck 90, buck 80. Uh, Lex ran a four two nine forty um, officially. Some scouts had him at four two six. Damn. So yeah, Lex can go. Um, and, and there's a lot to like about Lex. He's a late round guy, uh, five through seven. He's a guy that I would love to see in silver and black with turning kicks and then getting an opportunity. He fills that Richard type role, um, but he'd be a guy. I, I don't know how good of a fit he is right now, but. I was there, you know, for that as well. So it's been a lot. It's been a lot of stuff going on. We we've done it. Next week is, you know, we got two weeks to the draft. Next we got a week, and then and then it is draft week. So we got to do it again. And uh, I know we can't we can't have these long spells between these these shows because everybody every I don't know how many you I know you have the other shows that you do. And I know you do those, on, you know, because you, you have the opportunity to do that right away. I know what my schedule's a little bit funky right now. But I've gotten a lot of, you know, requests. Like, hey, when are you and Q doing the next show? When are you and Q doing the next show? And it's yeah, like, I have to. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, so we got to so we gotta make sure we lock, we lock in very, very soon to finish the show, get these things going, and, uh, and do some more, brother. Yeah, no, we will. We got to go hard in the paint until the draft. You know, we got to really go hard in the paint leading up to the draft, and then even at the draft, and even after the draft. Uh, and we'll have a lot of stuff to 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 break down and dissect. So I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, we're going hard in the paint, and uh, you know, everyone just bear with us with our with our crazy schedules. I mean, Joe's on the West Coast. I'm in Central Time. I'm in Central Texas. So you know, getting us together on the same time is a little difficult at times, but uh, we're gonna make it work. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun every time we get together. And as you see, we put together you know hours worth of. Um, material at one time so that's just how we roll yeah and, and believe me our text messages and our are crazy when it comes to between it because it's like you know we got this we about this we can't show about this and then when we actually do a legitimate rundown it's like it should be like a three-hour show four-hour show on terrestrial radio exactly you know or <laughs> and we got to try to trim it up for everybody so um nick hamilton and scott winter did another silver and black turf uh they recorded that, so that should be up soon, along with our show, uh, Q&A. And then uh, I know Kaylin and Anaya knocked out a show, so we're still pumping them out. We'll get back to doing it more frequently. And then also there'll be uh, another under, un, an unapologetic truth with myself, and that's going to be one where we talk about all kinds of things, but we'll, we'll be ready to relate it. Um, Q, man, I appreciate you and all the time you put into this, and, and uh, I look forward to knocking another one out to you next week and talking to you uh, on Friday. When I hear Mr. McClain tell me why Sterling Sharp is or isn't a Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. I cannot wait. I swear it's in my notes and it's going to happen. 1230 on my time, 1230 Central Time on uh, on Friday. It's going down. So I'm definitely going to be uh, hitting you up, tweeting at you, everything, texting you. I'm going to be blowing your phone up. You're going to you're gonna have to block me. No, I ain't blocking you. That's not, <laughs> you ain't doing that. It's all good, brother. So, <laughs> so for... On behalf of your boy Q, I'm Joe Rigo. This is Q&A on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to talking to you in the very, very near future. We promise that won't be two or three weeks from now. <laughs>